Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Hello, everyone, and good morning to you, Bethel family. My name is Leif Hetland. For some of you who maybe not know me, and as you can hear as I'm talking, I do have an accent. And it is a southern accent. And the reason is I'm from the south part of Norway. And I've had the joy and the enjoyment of being part of the Bethel family for the last uh, almost nine years now. And uh, just wanted to share a couple of testimony or a little bit of my journey uh, during this season where for 64 days I've been home since I arrived home from Malaysia where we saw some amazing things. And then uh, it's almost like you've gone 150 miles an hour for a long period of time and suddenly everything stops and things starts to slow down. And uh, somebody just asked me, how was the adjustment for you and Jennifer? Uh, has it been hard? And I said, well, for the first couple of weeks, uh, it was a challenge and it was hard. And at one moment I said, it is easy for you, for you are home. And she said, well, it is not easy because I have you here at home. I'm used to just do my own thing. And now I have to constantly considering you. But uh, the last, uh, I will say the last five, six weeks has just been phenomenal. A time when we've been connecting with Jesus and connecting with one another. But I do have to be honest with you. I do miss you. I miss the family. I miss the live worship and we are together there in community. And sometimes you do not know how much you miss something until you do not have it. But I'm very, very grateful for some of the things that God is doing in this season for a lot of personal surgery where he's doing things deep in my heart. So uh, I just found out that it's going to probably be another 120 days for me before my next major trip. So I have still, uh, there's going to be even a longer winter season or night season before the sun is coming. But let me remind many of you, if you want a rainbow over your life, there has to be both rain and sun. So if you wanted to see some of your promises, often it comes to two different things, the rain as well as the sun. And I do believe that we're living during the greatest time that the world has ever seen. And I know that it seems like there's a lot of shaking going on all over the world, but there are some things that is unshakable. There's an unshakable kingdom and there's an unchanging person. His name is Jesus and he rules and he reigns. Just wanted to share also a testimony. We, during this month, and also during the month of Ramadan for the Muslims. We, as a big family, and I know that Bethel, you're part of this, but we decided we're going to feed 400 families during this COVID-19 season. And so that's what we've been doing. We took 200 from the persecuted church, and then we also took 200 Muslim family working with a granny mom of the King's Mosque. And the stories that are coming in because the goodness and the kindness of God is just leading to repentance. And then we have shared some testimony. We have a little TV station out there. And we decided we're going to pray for people that already have COVID-19. And we have two Muslims that just, they just, they called the number and somebody just 
prayed over the phone and the fever just disappeared. The pain disappeared. They got totally healed and they gave their life to Jesus. So even when we are not able to see people maybe face to face, God uses technology and we've seen it over and over again. There was a moment where I was releasing just a wave of tsunami love, a baptism of love. And as we are here in Tyrone and releasing that, and then we get to hear the stories all over of healing and deliverances and where people are just having encounter with Papa God, how good he is and how loved people are. I do believe I have a message for us. And I wanted to kind of tell a little bit background of this message. About 10 years ago, I was pretty tired. I've been on a little trip around the world. And then also I had been to several conferences. Actually, I had just been in Bethel Reading speaking in a conference. And then from there, I went to Colorado where we're going to do an event in Colorado Springs. Some of my friends, uh, Georgian Bonhoff, Cheon, Heidi Baker, we were together in this event. And I can be honest with you, it was one of those times where I rather wanted to be home. I still remember it because it was the day before Mother's Day. And uh, I still remember that afternoon where I was going to speak. I didn't feel I had a lot to say. I was no longer able to burn oil of intimacy. And I could actually smell that I started to burn flesh. I don't know if you've ever been there, but you were definitely not anointed. You're more annoying. And when you're not prophetic, you can be very pathetic. So to make that story short, I decided I need to go up to my room away from everyone, away from uh, the green room and away from the masses because everywhere I went, somebody wanted you to pray for them. And, and I was thinking, oh, you need to pray for me. I am dry. I am tired and I'm homesick. And I couldn't say that. I was not vulnerable enough to say it. So I went into my room and I have this yoga mat that I travel with. I put it down on the floor and uh, I used that for exercises. But this day I was going to do it for soaking. And as I just laid on the floor, just resting and soaking and putting some of Alberto and Kimberly Rivera soaking music, I still couldn't get anything. So I decided to stand up and I walked across the room and I was just speaking in tongues and doing this uh, war tongues, but it was no presence. And then I tried to study the word and try to get some scriptures. I couldn't get anything. And then I was trying to figure out because it's only about 45 more minutes and I'm about to speak to all those people that are hungry, but I don't have any fresh food to give them, only stale food. And that moment I thought, wow, this must be a word of knowledge because I decided I'm going to call my mom in Norway and I'm going to wish her happy Mother's Day. So that's exactly what I did. I just uh, took the number and called my mom and I said, Gratulerer med morsdag. Ah, don't look at me that way. I thought you were spirit-filled. Okay, let me give you the interpretation. I said, Happy Mother's Day, Mom. I miss you and I love you. And I miss especially that almond cake that you make with yellow cream and just to be with you. And then as I hanged up with my mom, then I called my wife and I said, Jennifer, I just want you to know I miss you. I miss the kid. Like the kids, I miss being home. And, and, and I thought, okay, now the dove is going to come back. The present is going to come back. And uh, then instead I couldn't hear anything. And so I'm kind of a little bit desperate. And then there was a whisper of the Holy Spirit. And he said, Leif, could I entrust you with my mother? And I was thinking, that's, that's a weird thought. And then it came again. Would I be able to trust you? 
could I trust you with what is the most valuable to me? And this just went on five different times. And then I remember some scripture verses. And I want you to open up your Bible with me. And we're going to take a few moments to read John chapter 19, verse 25 to 27. So if you have a Bible with you, John 19, verse 25 to 27. And I'm reading from New King James Version. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, who is the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold, this is your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold, it is your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. Wow. I read that on that floor that day, and I still hadn't captured the value of it. And then now, the big question the Holy Spirit says, Lave, why was it John? What is it about John? I want you to capture, why was John entrusted? When this is some of the last thing, if you knew you had a very short time to live, and we have watched these horrific images of people with this COVID-19 that has been actually in ICU, and there's a few people that were able to talk to their relatives. But when you know somebody is about to die, and this is going to be the end of their journey, what is some of the most important things is going to come out of their lips. And I believe that uh, one of the things that was the most valuable and important things for Jesus, who is going to take care of my mama when I'm going to be gone? And I have a mother in Norway, and I know a lot of people around the world. And to be honest with you, uh, there's very few people I could imagine that will take care of my mother the way I would take care of my mother. So when Jesus here on the cross, he looks at his mama and says, behold, this is your son. And behold, son, this is your mother. There's something huge that is taking place because Jesus is entrusted and he's entrusting to John something that is the most valuable to him. Why is this not Jesus' own brother? He has a half-brother, James. According to the culture, that should happen. Why John? And I'm on this floor and I start to ponder, why John? Why John? And then I was thinking, if you read the book of Matthew, Read the book of Matthew. You will never see that Matthew says, I'm the one that he loves. You will never see it in the book of Mark. You will never see that Mark says, to whom Jesus loved, or the disciple whom Jesus loved, or he leaning into the heart of Jesus. You don't find it in Dr. Luke. I mean, he should know. He also wrote the book of Acts. But when you get to John, it's very interesting that John says it about John. John says, I'm the one that he loved, to whom Jesus loves. So this here in John 19, John says it about John, totally inspired by the Holy Spirit, as much as John 3.16. And if you're looking at John, and we're going to look at him, because somebody asked me, I think it was yesterday, somebody said, if you could be anyone in Scripture, I could thinking about everyone from Abraham to Moses to a Daniel to a Joseph or a Esther or you could go through scriptures or you can go through the Peter or the disciples or an apostle Paul. But I can be honest with you. If I could choose to be one single person in scripture or one of the ones I look forward to meet in heaven except for Jesus, it is 
the apostle John. And there's something about John that Jesus saw that I learned that today, 10 years ago. And during this COVID-19 season, it seems like this message has just become so, so alive in me again. Because the same question came into me after one week of being sick, after I came home from Malaysia and I started this hard work of rest. In the middle of it, a question came, he says, Leif, could I entrust you with what is the most valuable to me? And one of the things when you see John, and one of the first examples, after Jesus invited John, he invited them to follow him before he sent them out to fish. He invited them actually for intimacy before he released them with authority. He invited them to come and just hang out with him before he wanted them to share anything about the encounter they've had. So you can see there was an alignment before there was assignment. But when John comes into this picture, him and his brother, and they're following Jesus, they start this amazing journey with Jesus. I love this thing about John because if you were to do a little survey, would you say that would John be a lion to you or a lamb? Because according to the Bible, Jesus is the Lamb of God, but he's also the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And somehow John, one moment somebody rejected. Wow, they've rejected Jesus. And John says, should we bring or should we call fire from heaven to destroy the ones that will not receive you, Jesus? Wow, John. So here you're seeing this person. I mean, he is a lion and he knows how to roar. But somehow in this journey with Jesus, something starts to change. And I believe it is a picture of my life. I used to be a lion and the bulldozer going into the darkest places in the world. And I just, uh, I wanted the authority and the power and everything that the lion had to offer. I love that aspect of Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the king and the kingdom. That somehow I was missing something. And as I started to spend time with Jesus and fall in love with Jesus, and when I watched the tenderness of Jesus, when I watched the humility of Jesus, when I watched, and one of the incidents was when Jesus, here you have the King of kings and the Lord of lords, when he goes down and he washes the feet, including the very feet of the ones that is about to betray him. So John, when he was on his journey with Jesus, suddenly he had a revelation how much Jesus loved him. He started to be changed by the very love of Jesus. But there was something more about John that is very, very important. If you're starting to see that, first of all, there was multitudes around Jesus. And there's still multitudes today, even listening to this message. And you can have a certain distance and being on distance with Jesus. Coming to your service, hanging around on distance. Then there was a group of people. They were 72. They were invited to come a little bit closer. They were sent out with signs, wonders, and miracles. Oh, I remember after Dr. Randy Clark, June 6, 1995, laid hands on this Baptist pastor, was transformed by the very power. And I got to be one of those that Jesus just sent out with signs, wonders, and miracles. It was beautiful. But then they moved even closer. There was about 12 of them they'd invited to be part of his family. They were part of these 12 that actually was a covenantal relationship he had with them. And these 12 people as they were with Jesus, there was something they got to experience with Jesus that nobody else couldn't have. And then among the 12, there was three, Peter, James, John. As an example, the Mount of Transfiguration, there was three that was invited. 
Only the three got to experiencing it. And you see that over and over, it was things that Peter, James, and John got to experience with Jesus that the multitudes didn't, that the 72 didn't, and not even the 12 got to experience. And then there is a John. There's that one. And somehow when I'm seeing that in the scripture, John got to experiencing things with Jesus that nobody else could. He had a very favorite place in Jesus. Actually, at one moment when uh, it is revealed by Jesus that one of you are about to betray me. And Peter is kind of looking in the room and I'm sure that he's ready to want to grab a knife and cut somebody's ear. But instead, Peter, he has wisdom. He looks at John, and John goes over, put his head into the chest of Jesus. He leans into the bosom of Jesus. John had his intimacy with Jesus. It was not just how much Jesus loved him, but John had come to a place where John loved John the way that Jesus loved John. And this was the very key to intimacy. John loved John the way that Jesus loved John. Oh, if I took everyone back on a trip to eternity past and you saw this eternal covenant between a father, son, and Holy Spirit. The father loves the son. The son loves the spirit. The spirit loves the son and the son loves the father. But I want you to capture this. The father loved the son, but the son loves the son the way the father loves the son. Jesus loved Jesus the way that the Father loved Jesus. And that's called covenant. That's the oneness. That's what is being prayed there in John 17, that we're going to be one just as the Father, Son, and Spirit is one. So John had captured that. And as a result, he felt comfortable to coming in to such an intimacy, putting his head into Jesus' chest. He got to hear the very heartbeat of Jesus. His ears got warmed up by the love of Jesus. And then Jesus, Peter is the one with a question, but John is the one that gets the answer. So even Peter knew that there's something about John. He has a relationship with Jesus, and there are certain things that can only be entrusted to people that have that kind of an intimacy. So I'm laying on the floor, and I'm being a little bit overwhelmed, and I ask Jesus, why, why John? Why, why was John the one? And here, is a few of those lessons I learned that day that I feel is going to be a key, even for us in this season that we're in. Number one, identity, identity, identity. When a crisis like the COVID-19 is going on, when there is change happening, when eventually it looks like everything is being shook, when we are struggling, and it's been part of my life in this journey, in moments there's been so many dark clouds where it didn't look like the sun was coming through. But right in the middle of it, I know who I am. I know, I know whose I am. I know that I am the one that he loves. And I believe that everyone in the Bethel family, oh, if there's one revelation in this season that is going to be there, that there can be seven and a half billion people in this world, but he has only one person like you, and he loves you. And I I want you to love you the way that he loves you. I want you to see you the way that he sees you, thinking about you the way he thinks and feel what he feels and say what he says. John loved John the way Jesus loved John. That's why he could be entrusted by the Holy Spirit and saying to whom the disciple that Jesus loved. Wow, I'm the one that he loves. I'm his favorite one. Wow, that kind of a thinking can lead to dancing. And I want each one of my children to have that kind of a relationship with me. I want Leif Emanuel, I want Lila, I want Courtney, I want Catherine, each one of them knowing that I'm his favorite one. 
And this is one of the things that I believe that God has. I don't believe it was intended just exclusively that John is the only one that can experience this. No, I think it is invitation according to how comfortable we are with love. That's how comfortable we are with God because God is love, 1 John 4, 16. So I'm encouraging you in this season to going into the ocean of love and experiencing freedom because whom the Son set free is free indeed. So identity, identity, identity. And then I mentioned earlier the intimacy, the intimacy. Wow. John had such an intimacy with Jesus. That's what you saw in that upper room. But you have to have the right identity to be able to be connected to intimacy. And I can say as I've spent time with Jennifer in this season, we've been married for 31 years. And there's an intimacy that we have after 31 years that we never had before. For. But I need them to know who I am. I need to know who she is. And then the two are becoming one. But in the journey together, when things have been tough, during winter season in life, we've been together. During the springtime, during summertime when it is hot, but also during the harvest time and the fall. During all the season of life, we've been on these journeys together. And we've had 31 of those together. And it's getting better and better. And so is my relationship with Jesus. He's more near and he's more dear than he's ever been before. He's that pearl that is so beautiful and valuable. Why wouldn't everyone sell everything they have to get hold of that pearl? It is Jesus, the pearl of the great price. But here's the third thing I learned about John. It was identity. John also had an intimacy on a level that nobody else. But when things was tough, when things was hard, when everybody else went in quarantine and they were hiding in a room full of fear, when the Thursday, which was a very tough day, became a Friday, and that Friday was a very, very long Friday, then what they were doing is they were crucifying their spiritual father, their mentor, their savior, their Lord, their rabbi. They were crucifying him and John was the only one there at the cross. And I've been asking myself, would I be one in those circumstances when things is tough and hard, when I do not understand it, when everybody else is running, will I run towards Jesus or would I run away from Jesus when things is tough and hard? And I saw in a moment as I laid on that floor that day, it was like a picture of this Jesus film in India where one of the Hindus during the crucifixion scene, he ran up to that screen and he hit that screen and he said, Jesus, Jesus, come down from there. I am the one that is supposed to hang there. Jesus, Jesus, I am guilty. You are innocent. I am the one. I never forgot that picture. And that was kind of the picture of John. John was there. John knew that. I will take your place, Jesus. But Jesus is just looking at him. So John was there at the crucifixion. John was there for a long Friday and a long Saturday. And he wouldn't stop waiting until Sunday is coming. And some of you maybe had a long, long Friday. I've had a 64-day Friday so far. But one thing I know that Sunday is coming. It's maybe been a sunset, but the sunrise is coming. It may be been a long winter season, but springtime is coming. And I just want to encourage you, even in the middle of this, to just move closer with Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of your faith. He is so beautiful. He is so valuable. Wow. And then John was there at the resurrection. The power of the resurrection. John continued his journey with Jesus. And then the next thing we see, behold, mother, this is your son. Behold, son, this is your mother. And I can see this picture 
after Jesus eventually left and went back home to the father, he knew that mama is secure. And John is just opening up his home. He changes his apostolic calendar. He changes his busy schedule. And he starts to focusing on one thing, to take care of what is the most valuable to Jesus. And for John, that was Jesus' mother. Can you imagine? John is in the kitchen. He's just got some fresh bread, making his favorite stew. He comes and serves Mary, and they have an opportunity to sit there. John has made a fire, and you're sitting around with that fire. What kind of a question? And this is where I have a little weird humor. I was thinking about what kind of a question would John ask Mary? What are some of the things about Jesus that nobody knew? I mean, they didn't meet him before he was about 30 years old. But though 30 years earlier... One of the questions that came to my mind was, wow, Mary, how was it when you first learned that you were changing the diaper of God? Imagine a two-year-old boy knowing what Mary knew and knowing that this is God's son. Oh, how would it be when a 12-year-old boy, he's just running home to his mom and says, mama, mama, I don't want to play with Jesus anymore. He always thinks he is right. And a boy that is maybe out there and he's playing ball and he's playing against Jesus and he comes home and says, Mama, it's like playing against God himself. We always lose. I was just laying now. So from being burned out, oil being gone, I'm laying on the floor there in Colorado, being overwhelmed by Jesus. And again, that whisper, Leif, would I be able to entrust you with what is the most valuable to me? And then the last picture, and this is kind of a little hurry through, and we have this opportunity. But then you're coming in, and wow, all of the disciples have been gone. Jerusalem had been destroyed in 70 AD. And then you're seeing this next journey. John is the only one to have survived. Peter was crucified upside down. And if you read the Fox's Book of Martyr, you can see how many of these disciples ended their life. And John is old, and he had actually been boiled in Alexandria, but he still survived. So here he is, old, old man, long beard. He's out on the island of Patmos, and he's just looking up to the sky, and he had memory stones. He remembered the first time Jesus came and called him, and how he started to follow Jesus. He remembered when Jesus touches the lepers, when he came to Lazarus' funeral, and he raised the dead. He remembered all these memories about the woman who was touching the hem of his garment and was healed. Story after story after story. John is out there looking at all the journey. He remembered the moments with Mary. He never forget the cross and that look of Jesus. He never forgot when Jesus washed his feet. So he's looking at all the memory stone and being overwhelmed by Jesus. And let me just say something to you in this season. Whatever overwhelms you, shapes you. And make sure that you're being overwhelmed by love. Make sure you're being overwhelmed by peace. Make sure you're being overwhelmed by Jesus because then Jesus will shape you. Because what you're beholding is what you're becoming. And what you become is what you eventually is going to release. So John is there on the island of Patmos and he's looking up. And at the thunder and the lightning is there. And this time, wow, it is the King of kings and the Lord of lords that is coming through the universe and is heading there and is opening up the curtain and gives John a revelation of the things to come. So the revelation in the book of Revelation written by John, it says this is the revelation. It doesn't say this is the revelation of Antichrist. It says this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And as John goes further on, in one moment he saw, he saw 
Now who is actually worthy to be opened up a scroll? And then he looked and then he saw the lion of the tribe of Judah. He saw a lion. But the more he looked at that lion, he saw the lion became a lamb. Whoa! Jesus, before he came down to this earth, was a lion. A lion that was willing to become a lamb so that we as lamb could become lions. Now John, who was a lion without the lamb's heart, John was out there roaring without the lamb's heart. But now he had learned how to become a lamb and that lamb became a lion. Wow. And I do believe that what God is doing in this season, let us be very careful that we do not get involved with this political and religious spirit. But let us make sure that as John, as we're spending time with Jesus, in the future, the lamb, the lamb, the lamb is 24 times being revealed. Jesus, the lamb in the book of Revelation. And there's only one time the lion is being revealed. And the time when the lion's being revealed, it becomes a lamb. The lion became a lamb. And I just wanted to release, I believe that when this season is over, you're going to see, it seems like when all the shaking is gone, you're going to be left with sons and daughters of glory. You're going to look at those sons and daughters of glory, you and I, the lamb's nature. And then from that very place, when he's developing the heart of a lamb, we're going to roar as a lion. We're going to have the identity of the lamb and we're going to have the authority of the lion. And when we roar with a lamb's heart, people will gather and not scatter because you do have authority over what you love and you have authority over what you weep over. I do want to pray for you that you're going to have some fresh encounters with the lamb, that the lamb will just melt you in this season where the humility and the vulnerability that takes place when you're hanging out with a lamb. And don't worry, the more you're looking at the lamb, the more you become like a lion. Father, I just want to bless there's people out there that just need healing right now. Whew. Be healed in the name of Jesus. There's people that just even at this moment need to be free from anxiety and depression and fear. I just releasing shalom over you. I just release that Jesus as the lamb will just come and he will just melt you down. And you're going to experience such a freedom in the lamb. Oh, Father, I just release a roar over people that just need some hope. Wow. I thank you, Father, that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And I'm just going to bless you. And I'm blessing your family. I'm blessing your home. I'm blessing your business. I'm blessing the rest of your life. And I just speak into existence that you are going to be so overwhelmed by the Lamb. Then nothing else can overwhelm you. The enemy is so nervous about the lamb. There's healing in the lamb. There's freedom in the lamb. There's joy in the lamb. There's peace in the lamb. Everything you need is found in the lamb. There's salvation in the lamb. The lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. So I bless you and I bless you to you. Be you. So just let the blanket of peace, wow, even at this moment, rest upon you. And I just bless the rest of this journey for you, together with the lamb. And I bless the lion that is about to roar in the future. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you so much. And love on one another in a significant way, because you are the one that he loves. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. 
To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.